It's Monday here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, we're going to talk about all the three major teams in Pittsburgh for the Steelers, a review of the 2019 draft class and how it's played out to get to where the team is in 2023. For the Penguins, we talk about their free agency move, including the signing of goalie Tristan Jari for a five-year deal. And with the Pirates, we talk about Bob Nutting's commitment to say that Kutch isn't going anywhere, along with Mitch Keller making the All-Star game and more. It's going to be a fun episode here on the on the on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. You can find this show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily YouTube content from our Pittsburgh Post-Gazette writers. We do, we have daily content that comes out every day, but also we do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We talk all things Pittsburgh sports. Today's episode is sponsored by Pello Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. If you can't make your existing appointment, you can still reschedule it. Need anything? Call them at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. We start with Brian Batko, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, we're going to do a little bit of reviewing today. We do, we do a lot of news-hitting stuff, but this is the quiet time of the year, so it's time to reflect and get some get some a big, bigger brain thought here as far as how things have played out. And I want to ask you, because oftentimes you're asked to grade draft class the night after that they're all selected. But let's look at the 2019 Steelers draft class. Now that it is four years removed, you're either still on the team because they signed you or you're somewhere else because you, you, you weren't good enough or, they, or, or it didn't work out there. And the 2019 draft, for those who might not remember, was the, they traded up for Devin Bush, the 10th overall pick. They, they selected Deontay Johnson early in the third round, cornerback Justin Lane in the third round as well. Benny Snell in the fourth, Zach Gentry in the fifth, and then guys like Sutton Smith, Isaiah Bugs, Ulysses Gilbert, and Derwin Gray down the line there in the bottom rounds. Brian, when you go back to this class, is Devin Bush's miss too is that is that is, does that ruin this this class as far as the opportunity that it had? Or does the prospect of having a Deontay Johnson and Zach Gentry kind of balance out this class to mean to, to show it had meaning for where they are today? No, Chris, I think this class pretty much crumbles when you look at uh, the the failure at the top of it. And, you know, you just think back big picture on the 2019 group. Mm-hmm. You remember th- this that was an offseason in which the Steelers kind of rid themselves of a lot of talent, but a lot of baggage and guys like Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. It was supposed to be a year in a draft to build that new core around Ben Roethlisberger and and get a young nucleus in here to play alongside TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. So, you know, it was a fairly critical draft, I think, for the future of the franchise. And when you look back five years later and only Deontay Johnson got a lucrative extension uh, from that group, yes, Zach Gentry got a second contract technically, but uh, it, it wasn't a situation where 
the Steelers were really itching to bring him back. Uh, it, it was just, it was a, a class that, you know, they, they kind of, yes, I guess you could say Deontay Johnson's a hit. He's been a pro bowler, a thousand yard seasons. Uh, but if he's the, uh, the only player in that class that you really feel like became a, uh, a big contributor to you, uh, you know, years down the road, that's not a good sign. And it's, it's also, it's not just whiffing on your, your 10th overall pick, which you really couldn't afford to do when you trade up like that. But they also, you know, they didn't really hit on anybody in the middle to late rounds either. It's not like you got even a marginal player from those three sixth round picks. Um, you know, it was, it was a draft that had a lot of potential and, you know, I liked a lot of the picks at the time, but uh, they didn't pan out either because of the fit here or in some cases like Justin Lane, uh, he flamed out of the league entirely within mm-hmm. four years. So there was just some mis- mis-evaluations there in addition to players who didn't develop under this coaching staff. Now, I, I think what's really important to this and more to your point about the the impact of missing on Devin Bush, this team has effectively not replaced Ryan Shazier's presence since he was injured in 2017. Now, no one can, I don't think, there's very few people ever that could do the things that Ryan Shazier was doing for the Steelers by the time that he got injured because he was an essential part of the defense, uh, maybe even the most essential part of that defense when, when he got hurt. But at least finding a linebacker who could be that captain on the field, be the guy that covered and stopped the run and was your communicator in the middle part of the field, filled those roles the way that Roquan Smith now does for, for the Ravens, the Steelers haven't accomplished that. And Devin Bush was their shot, was their big shot at that. And it hasn't worked out. They're still looking for guys like that. They, it's, it's why they signed Miles Jack last year. It's why they signed Cole Holcomb and uh, Landon Roberts this year. That is still a big hole and maybe even the biggest hole that they have right now on the team uh, as far as how their roster is constructed. I think that's the lasting legacy of, of, of that draft class is they took a really big swing to address a big need in a time, if you remember 20, 2019, the 2019 draft, that was a time when this was seen as the beginning of the end of the last few shots they were going to have with Ben Roethlisberger. Now, no one was going to know that he would be gone for, the, for that next entire season. But still, they, Devin Bush, for at least his first year and a half, was pretty good, but he ultimately ended up not being the presence they needed at linebacker, and they're still paying for it today. Yeah, and it's hard to say really where to put most of the blame. I mean, some of it's just out of your control. The guy got hurt, torn ACL that, like you alluded to there, Chris, uh, you know, curbed some some decent progress that he was making. Uh, I think he was really showing some flashes as a rookie and maybe wasn't quite as productive early in his second season, but he was playing every snap. So he was getting the experience and, you know, he was turning into that every down linebacker that the Steelers wanted and needed him to be, even if there were, you know, some issues at, at times in coverage and things of that nature. But clearly when he returned was not the same player was, was not the same, um, you know, run, you know, run stopper that they thought they were getting out of Michigan. And that's the hard part about it. You know, at the time, I don't think anybody disliked that pick. I don't think anybody really thought this guy's going to be a complete miss and not be here in four years. Um, but that's that's why there's a difference between grading the draft at the time and using the the hindsight that we have right now. I'm sure that night everybody would have said A plus or an A trade, even with the trade up for Bush. And the Steelers just couldn't really afford to to miss on that. And I think that's you know certainly part of the reason why this team um, you know hasn't won a playoff game in the post uh, AB and, and Le'Veon Bell 
era. Uh, you know, it's it's part of the reason why Ben Roethlisberger's career here, in, in addition to his own injury, that again out of everybody's control. But you know, not having the type of help and support that could have helped, uh, you know, at least have a little bit more playoff success. The 2019 draft was part of that, and, and it was a top heavy year for them picks wise. You know, they yeah. maneuvered to get up to number ten. Deontay Johnson was effectively their second round pick, even though he was an early third rounder with that choice that came back for Antonio Brown. But with Justin Lane being a guy who they took a chance on in the third, did not pan out at all. Uh, Benny Snell, I, I suppose, had some moments. Um, and Zach, but Gentry, not a fourth round pick that right, would be right. And Zach Gentry, even at the time, I thought that seemed like a little bit of a reach. And hey, he's still here. But um, you know, they they took. Uh, you know, they took some players who I think even looking back uh, in the moment, it was kind of like, hmm, that's a little bit of a head scratcher. And, you know, that that proved to be somewhat prescient that uh, none of those guys really turned out to be anybody helping the 53-man roster or impacting winning in any way. It certainly it certainly is that way right now. Where it, well, Derwin Gray is, is a two-time USFL champion with the Birmingham Stallions. I'll have oh, check check that out though. The, the the Stallions did take down the Maulers this this past weekend. Uh, but but I think I think to your point now, Deontay Johnson could still mature into a really talented receiver. I mean, he's talented right now, but a complete receiver is where I think the Steelers need him to be. If he grows into that, maybe this changes a little bit. But still, it is a big swing and miss at the top of this 2019 draft class and. And, uh, and I think that that's something that they're still feeling the impact of. Now, the question will be about the drafts that have come after that. 2020, we've already seen Chase Claypool go, but he, they at least got back a second-round pick for him. Alex Highsmith seems to be working out. But then you go to 2021, 2022, Najee Harris, Pat Frymuth, Kenny Pickett, the impact of those guys, that'll tell probably the future of these next couple couple years or next few years over the, over the Pittsburgh Steelers and where the direction will be. He's Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're going to which topics to the Penguins, because I got to talk to Matt Benzel about these free agent moves that were made by Kyle Dubas and what the impact will have on their 2023-2024 season for the, for the for the NHL. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys, this segment for by, on the Steelers was sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh, the best place to get new windows and doors installed in your home. You could call right now for an in, a free in-home consultation from Pella Windows and Doors to call 866 866- 593-1560 discuss your project further. This episode is also sponsored by GameTime.co where buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful because GameTime is an app you can download right to your phone to give you the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. You're going to get killer deals on last-minute tickets and they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat. The GameTime app allows you to book tickets even up to the last minute. If you So if you didn't know about an event or you didn't know that you'd be free, you'll get a flat exclusive flash deals on football games, basketball games, baseball games, concerts, comedy theater, and, and, and all sorts of events around you. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price, which means if you find tickets in the same section and same row for less at the same event somewhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the difference of the price in those tickets. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, gametime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. (laughs) 
We're back here in the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We switch topics to the Penguins, and to do so, we bring in our great Penguins beat writer, Matt Vensel, who's been on the case. Matt had a busy weekend with all the moves the Penguins were making, but as you wrote in your analysis piece, it was an interesting question that Kyle Dubas and the Penguins were certainly busy, but are they actually any better? And Matt, I want to ask you that question. Do you think that they are better right now than they were at the end of last season? I do think they got better, um, but I also don't know that the season's going to end any differently than the previous six with, mm. you know, just missing the playoffs or at best winning a playoff round. I mean, I, I think they're still kind of in that range, especially, you know, given the state of the Metro division with Carolina, New Jersey loading up. I think the Rangers will be good again. So, yeah, I mean, I do think they got better. I mean, I, the big move in terms of um additions both literally and figuratively was ryan graves um he's a six foot five 220 pound defenseman um they haven't had a guy that big since eric debranson a few years ago um he's not a bruiser he's not a fighter but he's a really good defenseman um he did really well playing alongside kale mccarr in colorado same thing with john marino and dougie hamilton in new jersey i mean he had a very good plus minus um i know that's a flawed stat but when you're like in your plus thirties um, that, that suggests that the team's doing okay when you're on the ice. So, you know, at best, I think he can be maybe what Brian Dumoulin was a few years ago alongside Chris Letang. And then it has a trickle down effect on the blue line. And then the other area where they added or, or tweaked um, was the bottom six. Um, Lars Eller's old. Uh, let, let, let's just put it that way. I mean, this team actually got older and it was the oldest team in the league last year. Now, a lot of that is just everybody, like the core guys are all one year older, um, but they didn't do anything to, to, to get younger. We'll put it that way. But I think Lars Eller, um, you know, is a decent bet as a third line center. Uh, Noel Achari is another option. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a third line center. I like him kind of an energy guy, block shots, hits, um, you know, and there's also like realistic opportunity for someone like Drew O'Connor or Sam Poulin to actually get real playing time. So as far as the bottom six goes, like there wasn't a splashy addition. Um, but I also don't think they could be much worse than they were a year ago when the bottom six contributed very little most nights. How much of this do you think will just be about you know, finding the right chemistry between between these guys and how, how possible do you think that will be with these guys versus la- last year? Yeah, I mean, we're going to see tinkering, I'm sure. Um, you know, Riley Smith is, is you know, expected to play with Evgeny Malkin on the second line. At least, you know, they're going to try it out and see how it goes. But, you know, maybe they go for more of a balanced lineup and he plays on the third line. Big X factor here is Michael Granlin. For now, he's on the team. So if he's coming back, um, the Penguins really need to get him to be more like the guy he was a few years ago. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a lot of moving parts here. And, and you know, we could have – you know, we could see as many as five, six new players in the opening night lineup. So there's going to be a good amount of tinkering to try to see what the right combinations are. And, you know, I, I don't know, like, I mean, at least the guys they brought in, they're known for, even if they're not a big time scorer. Like, I don't know if any of these guys they brought in are even going to get to 15 goals, but uh, they're known as being pretty good defensively. Um, you know, it has some attributes that can help them out. So, so maybe it's more of a different look in the bottom six where it's more about goal prevention um, but they were so reliant on the top six last year. And I don't know if that's going to work out again, given the age of, you know, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. I mean, they, they were very fortunate. First time ever that those two guys played all 82 games. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's def- definitely a part of this. But we got to talk about one of the one of the biggest signings as in stories of this whole package, and that's they're they're signing Tristan Jari to a five year deal that was worth I think over five million dollars per year in this. And Matt, there were a lot of different responses out there in Pit out there in Pittsburgh about this. You know, a lot of people wondering, well, this can this guy even stay healthy? He hasn't really contributed to anything in the playoffs. Um, what's the impact here? Where do you? land on how they've handled the Tristan Jari situation was this the right move because of the field that was out there even available to them to replace him or was this the wrong move and that they haven't had a whole lot of success with him to get uh to get into and past the postseason yeah I mean Tristan you know we're going to talk about maybe one more change they can make in a minute here but if this Mm -hmm. is a team more or less they take into camp I mean Tristan Jari is the biggest x factor um for sure um, you know, we'll see if it's the right move. I mean, I think you kind of have to look at the the big picture when it comes to this. I mean, no doubt um, he's let the team down three years in a row, whether it's due to his performance in the Islander series a, a couple of years back or injuries. Um, but he was the top free agent available. Um, you know, you, you could say maybe they should have just got someone else on the cheaper and, and you know, re- reinforce the team elsewhere. Fine. Um, you know, the only other real option in terms of upgrading over Tristan Jari would have been a trade. You know, maybe you trade your first round pick for a guy like Jeremy Swayman or, you know, Linus Allmark or, or you know, um, Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. But then you're also talking about giving up a first round pick. You're talking about potentially playing, paying a couple of those guys big money. So you kind of look at the trade off. Um, you know, some people will say, yeah, they should have done that uh, and give up the first round pick. So that's kind of what Dubas was looking at. And in the end. He decided to keep the first round pick and commit to Jari. And we'll see if that's the right decision. I mean, health is a big question mark with him. Um, you know, there's there's lingering kind of chatter about him dealing with a chronic injury that could be a problem down the road. But in terms of the, you know, the term of the contract, I don't think it really matters. I mean, th- they gave him more term. He bended on, on coming down a little bit on the, the annual value. And, you know, year four or five of this contract really isn't going to matter because the Penguins are going to be heading into that inevitable rebuild at that point. So so forget the forget the term on the contract. It really comes down to should they have committed to this guy? And, you know, it's fair to ask that. But, you know, I just say, like, what are the what are the alternatives? And, you know, was the cost to get one of the, the, the upgrades worth it in the big picture? And, you know, time will tell. Time will tell. I want to get to the to a potential trade that we're going to talk about here in a second. Before that, I want to ask you one last thing: Is it possible, or is it likely? I guess I guess to say that that you could see the the Penguins' additions on the defensive lines and the, on, on to kind of balance out their roster a bit more to help Jari a bit more and keep him out of some of the tougher situations that the Penguins' defense, defensive guys have put him in over the past couple seasons. Yeah, I mean the defense has to be better, and that's 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 kind of the hope with the Graves that grave signing is that is that could be a big difference maker for this team just on the trickle down effect i mean brian dumoulin was a shell of himself um you know and and it just kind of had a trickle down effect on the rest of the lineup and you know you look at the team and, and this includes the fours as well but just in terms of team defense rush chances allowed um you know the penguins took a big step back across the board and of course goals against as well and that's not all on jari you know a couple of years ago two three years ago they were they're actually pretty good in terms of the advanced statistics on chances allowed and things like that so yeah the defense took a big step back um you know we'll see if they can kind of get closer to where they were two years ago and, and that'll help jari as well but he's also a goalie you know when he's healthy and when he's right um 
he's pretty good on rush chances. So, you know, if they go, you know, stick with more of a running gun approach, if, if he's right, um, he is the kind of goalie that can bail them out more often than not, at least during the regular season. Let's talk about a potential trade that everyone's been buzzing about, and that's for Eric Carlson with the San Jose Shark, a defenseman who could be added to that. Now, he's 33 years old, so you add to that whole age thing that we got going there uh, that you mentioned earlier. But one, what would you see the likelihood of this happening? Two, what would be the impact of Eric Carlson? Where would he fit in this in this defensive lineup for the Penguins? Yeah, I mean, I think this is one move that's still potentially doable. Uh, won't be easy, but they can take this from being a, a pretty solid first offseason for Cal Dubas to, you know, a pretty spectacular one. And that's not to say the Penguins are suddenly cup contenders, but um, it definitely increases the odds pretty significantly that, you know, the Penguins could have one more fun run in them, kind of like what we saw from Mario Lemieux and company in 2001. I mean, the Pens mm-hmm. lost in the conference finals, but I'm sure fans will say that was, you know, an awesome ride seeing that that one last deep run. So, yeah, it, it's a complicated deal. Um you know, Carlson is, is 32, but he's still a really good skater. The reigning Norris Trophy winner, um, first defenseman in three decades to get 100 points. Um, you and I might be as good as him defensively. Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but that's the knock on him. Um, but if you look at the trade-off between what he creates offensively and what he gives up the other way, um, that might make Mike Sullivan want to pull his hair out. But the trade-off, you know, says that, um, it's going to work out. So I, I can see why the Penguins would want to do it. I mean, you're talking about two excellent righties and Chris Letang and Eric Carlson. And if those guys are on the ice for, you know, a combined 48 minutes out of the 60 minutes a game, that, that's pretty good in terms of, um, you know, the transition game and, and, and offense. So it's going to be a challenging deal to pull off. Um, I don't know that it's dead after they made all these signings and got up against the cap ceiling. Um, you know, that $11.5 million salary, you can't help but notice that Jeff Petrie and Michael Granlin, their salaries pretty much match that. Now, Petrie has some no trade protection. I, you know, I don't know if San Jose is on his list, but I'd assume it was because he is happy to be close to his home in Michigan. Um, and San Jose is pretty far away. Um, so we'll see. Maybe a third team needs to get involved. Um, but I, I think San Jose is rebuilding. They're motivated to to move on from Carlson get an asset, get the cap flexibility. And, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see what, like, when he does get traded, if he does get traded to, to the Penguins or another team, what the compensation is. But I, I think getting rid of the salary is a big deal for San Jose. And and maybe the, the cost in terms of a draft pick or prospects um, might surprise some people because in some ways, as good as Carlson is, um, it would be a bit of a salary dump because you've got four more years left on that deal. I want to a last thing here with his offensive presence as a defensive player. Where would he fit for the Penguins? Because Latangs can can score, uh, you know, from the defensive side. Does he pair with Latang? Is he the, is he your second line defensive guy? Like, how does he work with with the Penguins' defensive defensive uh, rush that they have? Yeah, I mean, I think there could be you know unique situations where they put Latang and Carlson on the ice together. I mean, they're both righties. Typically you want to have a lefty in the left and righty in the right, but maybe, you know, like late game situation, if the Penguins need a goal, I could see them loading up. But I think the thought is, okay, we have these two rangy guys um, who with their skating, um, you know, like people knock Chris Latang for some of his decisions in his defense, but his skating is still excellent. And he gets the pucks that other players don't get to and that's like a hidden skill that shows up or that doesn't show up in goal prevention but yeah I mean I think the thought would be if they 
got those two guys. One would be on the first pair, one would be on the second pair, and then one of them will play with Marcus Pedersen, one of them will play with Ryan Graves. Um, you do worry about like a pecking order situation, like, you know, is Latang going to be the, the first pair guy? Who's going to be in the top power play? Because I don't think you want to have both of them out there. But, you know, San Jose went through this previously when they had a, a pair of very highly paid righties and Eric Carlson and, and Brent Burns. So at least from Carlson's perspective, um, he's used to kind of sharing those responsibilities with a, another premium player at his position. We'll keep you up to date with all things that happen there. And if a trade does happen, the best place to go read about it is at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where Matt Bensel will be on the beat there for the Penguins. Thank you, Matt, for all your, your intake here. We will have you again on this show to update what the Penguins are doing here in the offseason. we got to do another quick a quick topic switch here. We go to Jason Mackey, who's talking about the Pirates. We won't talk about what necessarily what happened to the Brewers this weekend. We're talking about Bob Nutting and what he told Jason about the Pirates' plans for McCutcheon, Mitch Keller, and more here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Stick with us we'll be right back we're back here on the north shore drive podcast from the pittsburgh post gazette i'm your host chris carter here now with jason mackey our esteemed pirates beat reporter here for the post gazette who's been hard at work as there's a lot to talk about with the Pirates. We'll skip past the series with the Brewers. That's what, what it was. We got to talk about some of the big news. You had some key analysis on the upcoming first overall pick that the Pirates have in the MLB draft, which is next weekend. And Jason, it's there's been all this talk for the longest time. It's one of the LSU guys, Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens. Do you get the pitcher in Skeens? Do you get the, the position player in Cruz? And it seems like a, a hit a completely, you can't miss Take one of them, close your eyes, pick one, and you'll be able to go to bed. But you wrote a piece of analysis looking at a closer approach on how the Pirates are going to look at this draft. Is that a guaranteed guaranteed thing that they're going to go with one of the two top guys that everybody's talking about? Chris, I guarantee I was on this podcast with you talking about the draft and saying I think it's going to be Cruz or Skeens. I've said that to a lot of people because that's the sense that I got. For the first time over the past couple of days, starting with Ben Charrington's oh, no. comments, Oh, <laughs> oh no. I mean, I, I am, I am, maybe I should say it this way. I want to qualify it or preface it with before the draft, you hear a lot of goofy stuff. People, a lot okay. of, and a lot of mixed signals. I mean, I don't care what sport you're drafting for. Yes. This stuff happens. So we all need to just realize that this stuff happens. That being said, I could be more confident in those previous comments. What I mean, having said, oh, I think they're definitely going to take Cruz and Skeens. You hear less of that these days. Uh-oh. Like, you know, stuff that I've heard, it's a very real possibility. They could take Walker Jenkins, Max Clark, Wyatt Langford. Um, I would have a tough time seeing them go outside of that top five. But like unprompted, third question of the press conference, I asked Ben Charrington about the viability of one of those two schemes or crews coming to the major leagues this year and contributing. Charrington's comments were, well, first of all, we're not just looking at two guys. I'm like, oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> I understand why he's saying it, but it just um, it's just another layer here that's going to be very interesting if the Pirates throw everybody a curveball. That, that, see, here, here's the crazy thing here, Jason. I get smoke screens in draft season. It is natural. There's a billion fake stories floated out there just so you can try to confuse people. But the Pirates don't need to confuse buddy with the first overall pick. You're not you're not fooling nobody. Who are you fooling? Well, well, okay, 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 okay. Now, in in football, basketball, hockey, 
there's no like contract negotiation, bonus signing slot, above slot, Very below true. slot, how you appropriate your slot money. I will say that that's an extra layer with baseball. But okay. yes, point taken. I do understand <laughs> what you're saying. You're not wrong. You don't need to fake anybody out. So, I mean, I don't I don't know what to make of it, Chris. I really don't. Uh, oh, man. You know, in a way, it could be like we're just doing our due diligence and they should look at all five guys. And there's, you know, I, I've talked to people that they, they really like these guys. And in any other year, like there's absolutely nothing wrong with Walker Jenkins or Max Clark or whatever. I just, you know, if they would do that, I, I'm stating the obvious here. I don't think that would go over very well with the fan base. Man, we just got people to put their pitchforks away this season, and they're about to try to bring them right back to the park not if they yet. do something not like yet. that. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Keep them in the shed. In, in, in a week, in a week, we can have a conversation, and if if they take, I don't know, somebody we don't, we've never even heard of from Kansas, then, oh, then get upset by all means, but it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they won't do this because i also get that like sometimes there's the genius move that you make that like hey yeah everyone's taught these two guys and this is the guy but the pirates have not earned that capital and even if they were like let's say whoever they pick one of the other top five guys that that, you know that that are there let's let's say they end up working out it's gonna be years until we find that out and the whole time whenever that person comes up everyone's gonna be like and if dylan cruz or ski skeins if they're lighting it up somewhere else there's gonna be a whole lot of moaning and groaning and it'll put even that much more pressure on that player and this upcoming core of pirates to figure it out sooner rather rather than later um lots to go over there but i also want to talk to you jason about another story that you wrote. You've been on fire with all, with all the stories you've been bringing out here. You, you spoke to Bob Nutting, and Bob Nutting, you know, we talked about this just last week with the rumor being floated out that Andrew McCutcheon could be traded. And Andrew McCutcheon himself shut it down. But then it looked like Bob Nutting shut it down himself, which that's a horse of a different color as far as where that's coming from. Right. On record, there's no vagary <laughs> in there. Um, and that's been my understanding of where the pirates are with Andrew McCutcheon the entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are people with the pirates who got agitated by a a thing, you know, that John Morosi had on MLB network about, you know, floating cuts as a trade possibility. And everybody's looking at this saying, this is completely ridiculous, which it was. So my contention was okay, go on record and say that go ahead. And so like I've been advocating to get nutting on, on actually a couple different topics, but this is one that I was told he was willing to speak on. So I'm like, okay. Um, you know, and, and like, it's a very simple thing. You're not going to trade Andrew McCutcheon. And the quote in the story is Andrew's going to be a pirate for as long as Andrew wants to be a pirate, which is exactly how the pirate should handle this. He's been terrific. Andrew McCutcheon should be able to decide when he walks away from this thing. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I talked to him earlier in the year in Seattle about how long he wants to keep doing this. He has no plans on retiring, nor should he. He's been really good. He's grasped the DH yeah. role. Run it back, man. I, you could sign next year's contract right now as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, I, I, I guess you can leave open the door if he doesn't want to do it or put somebody in a bad situation if you want to evaluate after or whatever. But, I mean, it nothing's changing. He's been really good. He's going to come back. He's going to stay with his team. He's been valuable. And that is right from nothing himself. Look, losing McCutcheon would be would bring it would, would be another step to getting those pitchforks back out from uh, no, from the from no, the backyard shed. Exactly, and it's what you predicted 
before the season even started right here on this show when we were talking about it and you said this guy is going to help this team mature and sure they're not world beaters but we knew they wouldn't be this season but they're figuring things out you wrote in, in your story about this about how he's had so many different discussions with the players establishing the culture getting some of these younger guys to understand what they have to understand right now and now you bring up Henry Davis and you're starting to see he's going to be able to feed off of that as well even beyond on the field Kutch is invaluable to the Pirates for for what he's able to do for the organization as a whole. Yeah, and they're going to get better, Chris. I mean, they they are. Like, you're going to bring up Andy Rodriguez. He's going to be more effective. You're going to bring up Quinn Priester. He's going to be more effective. The guys that you have now are going to take steps. You're going to get guys back from injury or whatever. You know, this team should improve. And it's important to have a guy like Andrew McCutcheon in the middle of it all. And that was one thing that another point that Nutting made to me is like, you know, when we've had these sort of dry spells or, or issues to sustain losing, like he finds a way to be a catalyst to get out of it. He's already done it a couple times. And you need guys like that. You need guys like Rich Hill, Carlos Santana or whatever. I mean, I, I don't think they can keep all of them past the deadline, but I mean, you absolutely can't trade Kutch. If this continues, I really worry if you can trade Carlos Santana based on what happened mm-hmm. Friday night. I don't know if you saw his comments on Apple TV, basically saying, like, I don't want to leave. I want to keep playing here. Like, How do you trade that guy? Yeah. You that's, found that's, that's a better player who's productive, who wants to play on this team. You, you, you can't. You got to keep those guys. Yeah. And, and I and I get wanting to sell just to just so you can keep building for the future, but you need those guys to keep developing the guys that you do have that are already young on your roster. But let's talk about one of the younger guys in the roster, and that's Mitch Keller because he's, go- he's an all-star. He's going to the all-star game, and you wrote a great piece about this as well. This is a guy who is 11th in ERA, at least going into Sunday. He's 11th in ERA, top 10 in quality starts, top 10 in strikeouts, whip, uh, batting average against he's crushing it across the board and it seems like it was kind of just a celebratory moment for him to get this nod even though it was kind of a given that he sh- that he sh- that he should get this honor what is what was the what was the response from both Mitch Keller in receiving this and how the Pirates kind of celebrated him getting this yeah so I I'll preface it with this I've been through every step of the journey covering Mitch Keller and it, it has absolutely been a roller coaster. My first road trip was his MLB debut. Um, I've seen, you know, the Babbitt-infused 2019, COVID-shortened 2020, pitched good, bad. Um, 2021, we've seen Mitch Keller and Kitch Meller and, you know, the like Jekyll and Hyde thing. That was like a, a bit on Twitter for me a little bit. He goes down to the minor leagues. He's terrible. He's depressed, basically saying, screw it. Comes back. I've talked to Mitch Keller you know, where he, he's literally said, screw it in a more vulgar way, which I love about Mitch. He's just an <laughs> honest dude. And then you see him last year discover the sinker and some confidence. Um, I'm so happy for him, Chris. And th- this certainly toes the line where you don't root for outcomes in this business, but you do root for human beings. And he's yes. a good person. And, and I've seen what this has done to Mitch, you know, h- how much he's been beaten down and now how much he's growing and building himself up. And, you know, he continues to work his tail off, but he's not cocky. And he was very intentional about that and how he talked about this saying, you know, I, the minute you think you arrive, this game will humble me. I'm just trying to, you know, be the same person I always was. And, and he's done that. Um, he's approachable. 
just a great dude, um, pitching, having a fantastic year. So, I mean, they were, they were psyched for him. You know, guys were crying in the clubhouse. Like you saw Shel- there's that social media video out there, you know, Shelton couldn't hold back the tears. Mitch got all emotional with us while talking about it. Just so happy for him and he deserves it. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, you've covered his journey from the very start, from all the things that he's gone through to see that kind of get a culminating moment of getting the all-star nod and now being recognized as one of the best pitchers in baseball. That is certainly awesome. Go read the story that Jason that Jason wrote on all of that with the with comments from the clubhouse and all the stats and everything that led up to this journey. Uh, Mitch Keller's incredible ascent reaches new heights, the MLB All-Star Game, as well as all the great coverage we just talked about here with Jason. Jason, thanks again for that. Happy Fourth of July to you. We'll see Same you again. At, we'll see you again at the end of at the end of the week. And we'll see you all after the fourth of July on the fifth of July when the North Shore Drive podcast returns on Wednesday. Thanks again to Matt Venzel for talking Penguins and Brian Batko for talking Steelers. Again, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Find us on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this channel for all of our content. Back Wednesday after the holiday right here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. 